Um, would you take a moment and just turn to someone next to you and say, I thank God for you. Could you share that to people, and it's even whether you know them or not? Well, we thank God for all things, and I, thank, I do thank God for each of you. And during this week, um, I was looking through, just Googling, it just made me curious, what, what do happy people uh, share? What traits do happy people share? So I, I wanted to show you the slide of so many articles are out there about what happy people are. Uh, and then there's like, you could Google it, there's 30 reasons why people are happy or 15 things that all people that are happy have in common. And so I kind of just skimmed through it. They're not necessarily Christian, they're just business, leadership. And they had some things that overlap consistently. Uh, one was they live for a purpose bigger than themselves. Happy people do that. Happy people, they serve and give to others regularly. Uh, happy people, they treasure intangibles. So it's not in material things that they, make, that they find joy in, but it's intangibles like love, hope, faith, any kind of faith, and then looking forward to eternity. Happy people, surprisingly, are very self-confident but not arrogant, and they persevere through trials. They, they're resilient. Happy people tend to be resilient. Uh, this one was on many of the lists related to perseverance, <clears throat> but they focus on the present as opposed to thinking about the past. You know how some people stay in the past? They're like, ah, oh, I remember those good old days. Why couldn't it be like that? Or why did they do that to me back in 1972? I still hate them. Or, or they're not obsessed about the future. Like, oh, I'm so scared. What's going to happen in the future? They plan for the future, but they look at the moment and say, what a gift today is. And that's why they call it the present. You heard that joke before. Thank you for five of you who, who left. Every single one of the lists, though, had this. And you could probably guess on Thanksgiving Sunday what it was. Every single list on Google, I looked at like eight had gratitude. You cannot ever be happy if you don't have gratitude. And the way they define gratitude is this, this deterrence from complaining about what they don't have or the short end of the stick they received and instead saying, how good is God or how thankful we are to have even this. Every single list had gratitude. Psychologists, doctors will tell you gratitude actually does something to us physiologically, neurologically, emotionally, psychologically. And no wonder that if gratitude is so good for us, God commands gratitude. He doesn't say you should be grateful. He actually commands gratitude in this verse. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. It's a command. And why does God do that? Because he loves us and he knows gratitude is good for us. I, I love walking around every day and if I can't think of something brilliant to think about, I just try to list everything I'm grateful for. God, thank you that there's no traffic. God, all green lights. God, thank you for my kids. Uh, they're at school. Thank you, God, you know, that Kathy, does, Kathy and I get getting along. Thank you, God, for this church. It, it just, it changes your demeanor. 
it, it changes your, your psyche. And so God wants us to rejoice because it's actually good for us. That's a good father. He wants what's best for us. So gratitude in every circumstance. And somebody will say, even bad circumstances? How do I give thanks to God for that tragedy or this disappointment? And this is the biblical reason why. When we give thanks in every circumstance, even bad circumstance, what are we saying? My happiness is not dictated by what happens in this world. It is anchored in God who holds all of us in his hands. That gives us gratitude. And so when you live by day to day uh, how circumstances are, you're going you're gonna to almost be like a multiple personality person. You ever met people like that? Oh, today's a good day. Everything's going great. I'm so happy. Can I buy you donuts? And then next day they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to quit. I guess. I, I can't go on. Uh, that's me, by the way. And Kathy's like, you're Sunday night. You're tired. Just go to sleep. And so, but if our gratitude is anchored in, God, it didn't, this was not a good thing. But I choose to say thank you because you are God. And you are with the hurting. You are with this devastation. These are not surprises to you. All things will indeed work for the good of those who call and believe and trust him, as Carol prayed. And so this is why we have gratitude. Deep happiness. I want us to be happy people, but deeply, not superficially. And happy people have deep gratitude to God. So in 1 Chronicles 29, we read about David. David's at the end of his life. Uh, he's, he's getting old, and he sees his son Solomon growing up, and God says, that's my next king. David wanted to build a temple for God. He said, God, let me build a temple. Your ark has been traveling in a tent. You deserve a house. Let me build it. I love you. Remember the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. David loved God. David was not perfect. David sinned and made serious mistakes. But God always restored him because David trusted and loved God. And David said, at the end of my life, let me build this temple. And God said, no, you have too much blood in your hands. I will let your son Solomon build it. And I love this. David accepts it. He doesn't whine. He doesn't say, what? That's not fair. Instead, in this chapter, David starts building resources and material to build a nice temple. Gold, wood, all the metals, stones. And David went extra yard. He went the further distance because he put his own personal treasures of his bank account into this temple because he wanted God to have the best house. And then David does this. He says, people of Israel, I challenge you, I invite you. What will you give? And the people stepped up. It actually says, from the servants to the captains, they all gave. And the words that come to mind as I was reading this text right before, they gave in a unique way. They gave joyously. They gave freely. And they gave generously. They were delighted to give. They were like, David, what were you, we were waiting for this moment. This is for God? I, I, we can't help but to pour back whatever God needs. And so the message version of the Bible in 1 Chronicles 29.9, next slide, says this. And the people were full of a sense of celebration. All that giving. This is the message version. And all given willingly, freely. King David 
was exuberant. Imagine, when was the last time you gave something uh, valuable, you gave it away, and you were excited about it? Uh, I, I'm not talking about like, like speeding tickets. No one feels excited about paying $299. Not that I speak from experience to the government. But when was the last time you were just like, I can't wait to give, I can't wait to give. Maybe kids, you got a cool present for your dad, and you're like, you spent all summer for your mom to get this gift. I can't wait for her to open it. There's this joy, there's this freely giving. There was this love, generous. And so when was the last time you looked forward to giving to God in this way? And so this leads us to the next question. How and why did David's people, David and David's people give like that? What is it about these people that makes them give joyously to God? Well, the, the spoiler alert is it has to do with gratitude, doesn't it? But let's go look into this. When David prays this amazing prayer right after that, uh, that Ingrid and Jack read. And I'm actually going to read the message version because I love how Eugene Peterson makes it a little more fluid like normal language and here's the slide and we could read along david blessed god in full view of the entire congregation he prays this blessed are you god of israel why do we give because you're blessed we want to bless you our father from old and forever to you O god belong the greatness and the might the glory the victory the majesty the splendor yes who deserves all of our attention and adoration? The Dodgers, the Yankees, a president, uh, a people group. Uh, we the people of God say there is nobody more filled with splendor than our God. And so he says this. Listen to a theme here. Everything in heaven, everything on earth, the kingdom, all yours. You raise yourself high over all. Riches and glory come from you. You're a ruler. So David's saying, all this treasure I have, it's from you, God. You're ruler over all. You hold strength and power in the palm of your hand to build up and strengthen all. And here we are, O oh God, our God, giving thanks to you. Praising your splendor, splendid name. David's saying God is worthy. God owns everything. And God had the audacity to share it with creatures like us. Uh, a lot of us, we say, how come I don't get a fair shake? And I think a good, honest question is this. Why do we have anything good at all? What, who is God that he allows us to have anything good? What are we really in our heart? There is no one righteous, no one good, not even one, the Bible says. And if we get what we deserve from God, do we deserve a nice sanctuary, nice clothes? Do we deserve? And the fact that we live in, some pastors say we hit the jackpot by living in America. I believe so. And this is where people want to be. Like this is a land of success. It's amazing that we might be one of the most grumbling people in the world when we've been lavished on. And so we look at this and say, God, who are we? Wow, you've given to us. We are recipients of everything and anything we have. They have that clearly in their head. David says, give to God for the temple. You got it. It's all God's anyway. We're just holding it for him. So David continues his prayer with a powerful pointed question. And he says, but who are we 
that we should give to you? Just think about that. Who are we that we should give to you? Um, you know, uh, I, there's a picture. Let me just share this. Uh, it's a picture of a trophy. John, could we get to that? It's a trophy. Okay. This is uh, taken yesterday. Uh, Ethan gave me this when he was in the third grade. So that was about eight years ago. No, not seven years ago. Now, how many of you know any third graders that make good income? They're like, thank you for laughing. Because he bought me this for Father's Day, I believe. Now, I love this little plastic thing made in China so much. Because it's a piece of plastic with a symbol behind it. But what's amazing is, Ethan bought this thing with the money that I gave him. Does that make sense? What is this kid going to do with that money? He decides to spend it at the Scholastic Book Fair at Patton Elementary. And it pays a little too much for plastic. But anyway, but he bought this and gave it to me. And with delight and joy, I received something special that I still have it today. Are you, are you following? He bought it with money that Kathy and I gave him for allowance. And he used it to honor his dad. Everything we have, everything you own, it's all from God. It always was your power, your ability, your business, your success, education. And what God is looking for is not, I want it back. He wants your heart to be displayed in honoring and glorifying God with everything. This little thing reminds me of joy that I have with the relationship with my son and my kids. And so this is... The question that David asked, who are we to ask you? We don't have anything on our own. You've given us everything. We have deliverance from Egypt. We have a kingdom. We're about to build a temple. Why? Because God has been so good to us. Now, I want to get a little real, and this is going to get uncomfortable. We have to assess our heart. Do you really believe everything is God's, or do you live as if everything truly belongs to you? And I have a few questions to kind of probe this. Because I ask myself this every single week. And I have these questions. It's kind of small, so let me read it. Do you give offering to God out of love or obligation? Is giving offering to God an afterthought? Do you actually feel pain when you part money in giving offering? Do you love to receive generously? but struggle to give generously? Do you think about all that God has given to you daily? Do you only give offering or help the poor out of guilt? Or is it a joyful value in your life? When you give offering to God, did you feel like that child who couldn't wait for her parents to open their birthday gift? These questions, I think, identify in us 
a move of our heart that needs to say, God, make my heart believe and know you're the good, good father and that everything I have is yours. I want to bless you. I want to love you. I want to glorify you in all of it. And so how do we get to this point? David continues in his prayer, and this is what David says. First is, we talked about everything we realize comes from God. The second thing David says is this. I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want us, our true selves. That's true, right? If Ethan just gave me the gift, like, like here, it's yours. I, I had to do it anyway. Like, you could tell, you know. You could tell. Wives know if a, guy, if a dad gives a flower, a husband gives a flower just out of like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's your birthday. Oh, you shouldn't have. I know, I had to. It's your birthday. Oh, I, mean, I meant I love you. <laughs> right? I mean, we know. So God is saying, I don't want the surface level. He says, so I have given to you from the heart, honestly and happily. And now see all these people doing the same, giving freely, joyfully. What a joy. And David says, oh God, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, Keep this generous spirit alive forever in these people always. Keep their hearts set firmly in you. And give my son Solomon an uncluttered and focused heart so that he can obey your, what you're commanding. So the first part is they knew everything belonged to God. Second part was they gave it from a heart that was transformed by God. Um, I'm going to say something that I think we've all been interpreting the Bible wrong with. You may have heard... You should not know what I give for, to God. It's between me and, me, me and God. Offering is secret. And by the way, I don't look at everyone's offering. I have not for years. Uh, we do kind of check to see, boy, is, uh, is Nathan Flores giving 90% of the church budget for the church to be alive? Because if something happens to Nathan, we're done. So they do ask for that. But you know that saying like, oh, offering is between me and God? And I realize this. If you look at the Old Testament, and if you look at the New Testament, everybody saw what everyone else gave. Do you remember when Jesus was with his disciples? They were watching people drop off offerings. Do you remember that? And Jesus says this woman who gave two mites gave more than everyone else that we just saw for the past 10 hours. And that was, I made that part up. But they were watching. And the way they did it was offering was public. So you're like, oh, there's that verse, though. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When you give, give with the secret. And if you look at the context of that, it is not teaching confidentiality, although that's wise. What it's saying is this, and this is where we get to the heart. Some of you will give so you could look good in front of others. Don't do that. So what is the heart Jesus is asking? Give because you have love of God and people in your heart. Let that be the motive, not the desire to look good in front of other people. This is why he says pray quiet and fast and quiet. The heart that gives is essential to faith people because your money, you know that saying, put your money where your mouth is? It's spiritual. You will love the things that you spend the most money on. If you have a boat and you put in $20,000 a year, guess what you love more than your family? The boat. If you have a car that you love more than anything else, and you're going to love the car. Wherever your money goes, your heart follows. God knows that. 
So he's saying, let your heart be guided by money and let your heart guide the money. And so when we look at these things, we are so miserable in 2023 in America because we actually believe it all belongs to us. That's why you're, most of us in America are unhappy. So I want to ra- close this up with this. TED Talk, em- um, there's a lady named Emily Espahani Smith. She's an author, speaker, journalist. She says, happy people live with meaning. And she shares four pillars of what, how we get that meaning. And there's a reason why I'm sharing this. She said, number one, people with, who are happy and have meaning, first pillar is they have a sense of belonging. In other words, she defines it as you believe you are valued and you are intrinsically loved and you value others. Do you have belonging? Second, she says, the pillar of finding meaning in life. They have purpose. And the way she defines purpose is finding your strength and what you can give to others. For example, are you a healer? Are you a creator? Are you a designer? Are you a facilitator? When you find that joy in giving to others your unique gift, you find purpose. I was a class clown. I got kicked out of every Bible study. God used that to make me a pastor, literally. And so, like, there you go. But I found purpose. You have purpose. Third, she says, transcendence. She's not a Christian speaker, by the way. But she says transcendence. Happy people who have meaning found transcendence. They could rise above the hustle and bustle of every day. And they have a sense of their self fades away towards a higher reality. That's interesting. And lastly, they have good storytelling. They create a narrative about yourself that you tell yourself who you are, what you're for in your story. Belonging, purpose, transcendent storytelling. Why am I sharing this? If you read David's prayer, all four are there, aren't there? All four. We are your people, O God. Belonging. You have delivered us. We exist to represent you and glorify you in this world. Purpose. You, O God, dwell with us in this temple you are connecting with your creation, transcendence. And then the story is, your story, oh God, is our story. Thanksgiving comes from knowing that we have this meaning and purpose, and it flows from happiness. And for 2023, this is where we are. You and I have belonging because Jesus Christ died to bridge this divide of sin between us and God. We have purpose because God has called you and says, be the fishers of men. Happiest people, remember, they live selflessly. We have transcendence with God because we know God. How many of you talked to God this morning? Raise your hand. We have this ability to transcend this world and talk to God. We have a story to tell. You know, I love that part because your messiest worst moments of your life becomes God's place to shine and show off and redeem. His story is our story. Our story becomes his story. So in this card in your book, well, I left it back there. In that card that I wrote, I wrote this, God, thank you for purpose, morality. Thank you for immortality I have in you. Thank you for forgiveness. And because of all these things, I thank you, God. And I give to you. Message ends with this. David then addressed the congregation. Bless God, your God. 
and they did it. Bless God, the God of their ancestors, and worship reverently in the presence of God and the king. Thankful people will worship God. Oh, here it is. Thankful people will worship God. Let us worship God. Before we go into the, I'll show you with the card in the basket, I'm going to invite Billy and Christy to lead us in this song. Would you join me in responding to God for his grace and generosity with worshiping? And we're going to literally sing, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord. Worship his holy name. Would you stand as you are able? Let's sing.